These last few weeks, we've been asking some pretty difficult questions. Questions that are evaluative questions. Questions that point to our spiritual life, to our journey, in terms of, of how we trust God. We've asked questions such as, can I trust God? And we've turned that question around and said, can God trust me? Can He trust me with what He has entrusted to me? And when it comes down to it, what we're trying to accomplish with these questions is to figure out whether or not we are truly trusting in God. Trusting in Him to the full extent that He requires of those that He has entrusted much to. And so the title of our series is, Are You Trusting God? Are You Trusting God? A.W. Tozer once wrote these words, The man of false faith will fight for his verbal creed, but refuse flatly to allow himself to get into a predicament where his future must depend upon that creed being true. He will always provide himself with a secondary way of escape so that he will have a way out if the roof caves in. And then he goes on to write, What we need very badly in these days is a company of Christians who are prepared to trust God as completely now as they know they, may, they must trust Him in the last day. Last week we began looking at some principles of trust. Principles that we need to apply to our lives. Principles that honestly are reflective. In the sense that we need to be asking ourselves, are we practicing these principles right now? Before we begin to look at those, I just want us to look back at our focal passage for this series. Proverbs chapter 3, starting in verse 1. We read these words, My son, don't forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commands, for they will bring you many days a full life and well-being. Never let loyalty and faithfulness leave you. Tie them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you will find favor and high regard in the sight of God and man. In verse 5, trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not rely on your own understanding, think about Him in all your ways and He will guide you in the right paths. Don't consider yourself to be wise. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. This will be healing for your body and strengthening to your bones. Honor the Lord with all your possessions and with the first produce of your entire harvest then your barns will be completely filled and your vats 
will overflow with new wine. This has been our focal passage for the entire series, asking ourselves, are you trusting God? And so we looked last week at some principles of trust. Some principles of trust. We started out by looking at the first three principles. And I just want to review and then we'll look at the last two. So if you have your outline and you want to pull it out and, and fill it in, for those of you that haven't filled them out yet, I've heard that some of you like to try to guess what the words are going to be. That's okay, Barry. <laughs> I got the first three filled out already because you got them from last week, but let's review. Take an inventory. Remember, we said each of us needs to take a personal inventory. A personal inventory of our spiritual lives. We need to take those personal inventories more often than we take inventories of someone else's spiritual life. Personal is the key there. We need to ask ourselves the questions that will help measure our trust in God. And we've got to be honest and allow God to work in our lives in the area of trusting Him. The second principle is to recognize God as your source. After you take a personal inventory, then you've got to recognize that God is the source of all blessings. He's the source of all gifts that we've been given in our life. It isn't your intelligence that has gotten you where you are in your life. It's the God who gave you that intelligence that has gotten you where you are. It isn't a, a good job that has gotten you where you are. It's the God who gave you that good job that's gotten you where you are. It's not that talent that you have that's gotten you where you are in life. It is the God who gave you that talent. And you can apply that to every single aspect of success in your life. If you've been successful, then God is the source of that success. The next principle is to understand God's stewardship principles. And when we talk about stewardship, we're talking about being good managers, being good stewards of all that God has blessed us with, whether it's a job, whether it's a talent, whether it's a resource, whether it's money. Being a good steward and we looked at the who's in charge principle, which goes back to the reality that God's in control, that, that God is our source, and, and to realize that, that God owns everything, and we are simply the managers. We manage what God's blessed us with. Then we had the give and grow principle. And we realized when we practice good stewardship, then it is us who grows. It's us who benefits. We benefit in many ways, but most of all, we grow spiritually. There's also the do it now principle, which talks about the reality that, that stewardship has to do with what we possess today. It's not about tomorrow 
We're not responsible for tomorrow. We're responsible for today. So we have to do it now. And then I love this one. The I'm in debt principle. You know, we have a lot of folks that walk around today thinking that someone else owes them something. And that is completely against what God's Word communicates to us. In reality, we should all walk around realizing that we are in debt. First and foremost, we're in debt to God for His goodness, for His grace, for His mercy. We're also in debt to others. Others who have gone before us. I'll never forget I had the opportunity to, to preach at my grandmother's funeral. She told me before she passed away that that was going to happen, and I didn't want to hear about it, of course. But my grandmother was the city clerk for the city of Idalia for over 40 years. She, uh, she could put a pencil to anything. And after I preached her funeral and talked about all the things that she had meant to me as a person, because that was the perspective I had, a gentleman walked up to me after the service and he introduced himself as the uh, city manager of the city of Vidalia. Well, since my grandmother retired, they, they changed the position to a city manager. And he said, I want you to know that it has been over 20 years since your grandmother has held office in the city of Vidalia, but her fingerprints are still everywhere in that office. And he said, I owe a great debt of gratitude to her. And that made an impression on me, and it, it helps me understand the reality that we need to be aware of the people who have gone before us. I get to interact with Pastor Dan sometimes at our pastors' conferences that we have at the Sarepta Baptist Association. And every time I get a chance, I express to him my gratitude for what he did in this church and in this community before I came. <coughs> All of us are in debt. If we, if we just look around and realize all that has been done for us, and the reality is we owe a debt. Lastly, last week we talked about the fountain of youth principle. And in this principle we understood that, that we live forever through our giving. How do you want to? You want to pass along a legacy? You do it through giving. The giving of our time, the giving of our spiritual gifts, the giving of our resources. These are the things that will last well beyond our lives on the face of this earth. And so those were the principles we examined last week. And now that we're up to date, I want us to move on to our remaining two principles of trust. The fourth principle is surrender everything to God. Surrender everything to God. There is a difference. I think a fundamental difference 
between recognizing God as the source of all that you have and actually living like He's the source of all you have. When we understand and we surrender everything to God, then we begin living like stewards rather than owners. It's easy to sit in church and go, yeah, God gave me everything. I just have to praise the Lord for it. And then we go out into the world and we retain that ownership mentality. When we surrender everything to God, then we live like a steward rather than an owner. Now, whether you've been blessed with a, a little or a lot, you have to surrender it all to Him. <coughs> I don't know if you've heard this before, but, but I have. Folks say, if I only had more, I'd give more. Oh, preacher, if I was only blessed as much as so-and-so, I'd be able to give like so-and-so. Hogwash. Let me, let me share with you what Jesus says. Luke 16.10 He who is faithful in a very little thing is faithful also in much. And he who is unrighteous in a very little thing is unrighteous also in much. What did Jesus mean by saying that? Well, if you're not giving sacrificially right now, you won't give sacrificially later. Why? Because there is an important spiritual principle at work. And I want you to get this. It's not how much we possess of the world that dictates our stewardship towards God. But how much God has of us. Let me share that principle with you again. It's not how much we possess of the world that dictates our stewardship, our generosity towards God, but how much God has of us. You see, the focus is not on what we possess, but it's on how much of us God possesses. Does He possess all of you? So the question, have you surrendered everything to God? Or are you holding on to a few things? Bruce Larson tells how he helps people that are struggling to surrender their lives to Christ. And he writes these words in one of his books. For many years I worked in New York City and, and counseled at my office a number of people who were wrestling with this yes or no decision. It says, often I would suggest that they walk with me from my office down to the RCA building on 5th Avenue. It says, at the entrance of that building is a gigantic statue of Atlas, a beautifully proportioned man who with all this muscle straining is holding the world upon his shoulders. And they look at this picture, and there he is, the, the most powerfully built man in the world, and he can barely stand up under this burden. And he points to the statue, and he tells the individuals, 
He says, now that's one way to live. Trying to carry the whole world on your shoulders, but come across the street with me, he would say. And on the other side of Fifth Avenue is St. Patrick's Cathedral. And there behind the high altar is a little shrine of boy Jesus. In that statue, Jesus is probably eight or nine years old. And he's standing there with no effort at all, holding the world in the palm of one of his hands. And Larson says, my point is illustrated normally without much explanation. And folks, you and I have a choice. We can carry the world on our shoulders or we can say, I give up, Lord. I give up. Here's my life. I give my life, my world to you. When Jesus said that his burden was easy, he meant it. He meant it. There are times, you know, when we take back from God those things that we've <laughs> surrendered to him when we came to faith. And I believe what we must do is constantly evaluate whether we are surrendered 100% to him. 100%. The last principle is this. Test God's promises. Test God's promises. I don't know if you've ever been in the bookstore and you've run across these uh, books where uh, they've taken all the promises in the Bible and put it in one book. And you can just read it. Just open it up and it's, it's promise after promise after promise. You know, promise about this and promise about that and promise about this. How many of us truly put those promises to a test? How many of us truly align our lives in a way that puts God's promises to us to a test? When you read the Bible, you find that all the members of the Faith Hall of Fame in Hebrews had to endure what I'm going to call a trust test. Think about it. Noah. Noah was put to a trust test. Remember when God told Noah to build an ark because it was going to rain? Some of you may not think about this, but, but it had never rained in Noah's entire life. Never rained. I can't explain it. I just know that's what Scripture says. Never rained. And he's out here building a boat. Can you imagine the bullies and the funny men walking by going, Hey, no, what you doing building that big boat for? Well, it's going to rain. <laughs> Noah was put to a test. With all these probable strange looks, the accusations and the persecutions, the Bible says this, that Noah did all that the Lord commanded him. How many of us can say that? I've done all that the Lord's commanded me. Whew. 
He faced a test and he passed it. Abraham faced a trust test. He was to be the father of many nations. And when he finally received the son Isaac, God told Abraham to sacrifice him. You remember the story. They were on their way up to the mountain and they had everything for a sacrifice except something to sacrifice. And his son asked him about the sacrifice. And what did Abraham simply say? God will provide. God will provide. Well, you know the rest of the story. Abraham puts Isaac on the altar and God stops and God says, Abraham, now I know that you fear God. Why? Because you have not withheld me your son, your only son. Abraham passed the test. How about Joshua? Joshua faced a, a trust test. Moses had, had led the people out of Egypt by crossing the Red Sea under the direction, remember, of his staff. And now Joshua is given the task by God to, to lead the people into the promised land by the way of crossing the Jordan. But God didn't want Joshua to use a staff. He didn't want him to use a rod. He wanted the priests to put their feet in the water. You see... God didn't want them to trust in methods. He wanted them to trust in Him. And as soon as the water parted, the Amorite and the Canaanite kings lost all courage to face the Israelites. Joshua faced a, a test, and he passed it. The last one is David. You know the story of David and Goliath? It's a familiar story. Saul found out that little David was going to fight the giant and, and he thought, well, I've got to do something to help him. And so he wanted to give David his armor to fight with. And David put the armor on. This is one of those laughable moments in the Bible. And it just probably swallowed him up. Just swallowed him up. But why did David take the armor off? Why? Because he wanted the people to see that he trusted in God, not in the armor. He passed the test. Folks, Noah trusted in God, not the familiar. We look and we see that Abraham trusted in God, not his own personal feelings, not his own emotions. Joshua trusted in God. He didn't trust in methods. David trusted in God, not in man's armor. And what's the result? They all passed the trust test. And you know that in your life, you faced <laughs> trusts, tests of trust. And you'll continue to face them until you get to heaven. That's what this life is all about. This morning, I want to ask you to consider a trust test in your own personal spiritual life. It's a trust test involving tithing. Now, I know I hate messages on tithing. I hate when preachers talk about money. But I've committed to God to preach about tithing once a year 
And I'm two years overdue. <laughs> Not really two years, but at least a year. And so, I want us to look at two promises. Two promises that God makes to His children who tithe. The first promise is this. He will provide for us. He will provide for us. Turn with me from Proverbs over to a familiar passage in Malachi chapter 3. One of the most familiar passages that address the subject of tithing. A lot of people say, well, this is the Old Testament. We're not bound by the, by the Old Testament. We're New Testament Christians. Well, let, let me share something with you. The, the New Testament doesn't talk a whole lot about tithing because tithing is actually the minimum. The New Testament talks about giving. And guess what? You're not giving until you're tithing. And so what I think we should do is look at the foundation. Let's look at the foundation. Malachi chapter 3. Verses 8 and 10. Will a man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. You ask, how do we rob you? By not making the payments of the tenth and the contributions. You are suffering under a curse, yet you, the whole nation, are still robbing me. And then verse 10. Bring the full tenth into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord of hosts, and see if I will not open the floodgates of heaven and pour out a blessing for you without measure. Let me make a simple statement. If you're a Christian, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, and you're not tithing 10% of your gross income to your local church, then you're not only stealing, you're stealing from God. It's black and white here. I don't care if you're 60 or 16. If you're not tithing, you're stealing from God. And that's an evaluation that we need to make of our lives constantly. Constantly. Now, yes, that's a simple statement, but it also packs a pretty big punch. So let me share with you another simple statement. If you tithe, God will not only provide, but He will bless you beyond measure. Somebody say amen. amen. I mean, if you know this to be true then let's rejoice in it. If you've practiced this principle, then let's be joyous about it. If you do what God asks you to do, He's going to bless you. And here's the deal. You can rest assured that in every area that you obey, God will bless you. But also, in every area that you disobey, disobey, God will discipline you. He will. 
Not in a mean way, not in a I want to hurt you way, but in a way that hopefully will push you towards obedience. He will provide for us the second. This is the end of the outline. Secondly, He will protect us. He will provide and He will protect. Look back at the Malachi chapter 3, verse 11. Verse 11. Excuse me, the second part of verse 10. See if I will not open the floodgates of heaven and pour out a blessing for you without measure. Without measure. And then verse 11. I will rebuke the devourer for you so that it will not ruin the produce of your land and your vine in your field will not fail to produce fruit, says the Lord of hosts. So if you'll do this, He will fill you. He will open the floodgates and provide. But not only that, will He protect? He will protect. This is an interesting passage because it's one of the only places in the Bible <coughs> where we find God commanding us to test Him. You remember when Jesus was tempted by Satan? And Satan wanted Jesus to test God? And what was Jesus' response? Do not test the Lord your God. Don't put Him to a test. Well, in this passage of Scripture, in this area of stewardship, in this area of tithing, God goes against this fundamental principle of not testing God and he says test me in this one I promise you that I'm faithful I promise you that you will receive a blessing if you do what I tell you to do I don't know where you are in your trust in God. I'm going to give you a, a 100% true statement that you can take to the bank. And I have a witness here today. Probably have more than one witness, but I have a witness here today that can back this up. I don't know who gives what ever, nor will I ever, nor do I ever want to Joe knows. He can tell you. He's sworn to secrecy. Sworn to secrecy as the treasurer of our church. I, I'm, I'm not sharing with you this principle and these principles from God's Word so that there'll be more money that comes through the church place. Honestly, from the depths of my heart, I want to share this with you because it benefits you and me. It benefits us. It's a principle of trust that God will 100% and actually more than 100% repay us. Repay you. 
And maybe, maybe tithing is not the area of trust that you struggle with. Maybe you were taught from an early age to do what God's Word says, and you did it, and you've reaped the benefits of it. <coughs> Maybe it's another area of trust that you struggle with. Maybe it's relationships. Maybe it's the future, what tomorrow holds. Maybe it's your children or your grandchildren. Maybe it's your spouse. Maybe it's something at your job, at your work. Maybe you feel like you're spinning the plates all day long, every day, and you can't do it anymore. Well, here's the good news. God says, you can trust me, and you should. Because I'm worthy. I'm worthy, God says, of you putting all of your trust in me. Whether it's financial, whether it's relationally, whether it's emotionally. Maybe you're here today and you've never put your full faith and trust in Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. I want you to know that you can trust God. You can trust Him. Because He loves you far more than anybody else does. How do I know that? Because He sent His one and only Son to this earth to die for you and for me. So whatever it is, whatever trust test that God has placed in front of you, trust Him and you'll pass it. You'll not only pass it, but you'll reap the benefits. Let's pray together. Father, we are so grateful and thankful to you for all that you've blessed us with. And, and when we look at this area of stewardship, we realize, God, that, that you require these things of us as a response, as a, as a means of pointing us towards being fulfilled in you. Because you know what's best for us. And Father, you know that all that you want to do is heap more blessings upon us. And yet sometimes we avoid those blessings because of disobedience. And that disobedience, I believe, comes from a lack of trust in you. Trust that you know best. Trust that you have our good at your heart. And so in each and every circumstance, help us, Lord, to trust in you. We pray all these things in Christ's name. Amen.